0: If you are approaching 40 years old, congratulations. I think, Ed, you would agree with me that life definitely begins at 40. Yep, definitely. But there are some essential financial tasks to take care of before you turn 40. If you are nowhere near 40, congratulations. But the earlier you start the financial tasks that we're going to talk about today, the better. And if you're past 40, don't panic. But do think about the tasks that we talk about today and maybe you want to skip the bit where Ed tells you how those under 40 can get the government to give them £1,000 tax-free every year until the age of 60. So something for everyone in today's episode and if you're over 40, just ignore the first five minutes. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP.
1: And by me, Dr. Ed Cantillow, a GP, but also a Chartered Accountant and Chartered Tax Advisor.
0: This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So, the reason we made today's podcast is because you turned 40 last year?
1: Actually, the year before that, yeah, 2020.
0: Ouch. Thank you for that. Ouch. (laughs) Sorry, I thought I didn't realize it was that long ago. I recently turned 40. And there is some really important things that you need to do around the age of 40 just to set yourself up for the future. And now I mean, before we get into that, you're now way past 40. Can you remember back that far as to how it felt to become 40?
1: Well, I can because it was you know during the midst of the pandemic so it's quite difficult trying to organize a 40th birthday celebration without having a clue what the restrictions are going to be and what was going on so my original plans were to go abroad with some friends that obviously got scrapped but we so much have a really really nice time that's my main memory having a nice gathering with a few of my friends
0: any reflections or did you have a midlife crisis or anything like that
1: no i don't think so you know i think as you say life begins at 40 so i was just excited to get into this new chapter of my life
0: yeah i mean do you feel
1: old Well, uh, yes, I do. But, uh, you know, my hair started going grey when I was 15, so I've always felt old.
0: (laughs) Silver fox look. It's a strong look. I definitely do feel old because I remember when I had a paper round and I saved up loads of money and I went to buy an album and that was Blur's self-titled album, Blur. Nice. And that is now 25 years old.
1: Yeah, there were some markers where you think, oh, wow, well, I'm getting old.
0: Yeah, so a quarter of a century ago that was, which is just, that, that didn't make me feel good. The other day I had like a three-hour surf session. Surf's been amazing in the last few weeks. And then the next day my arms were so sore And I was doing a shoulder exam on someone and I did like abduction, see how far they could get their arms up. And they could get their arms further above their head than I could.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I really hate doing back exams and getting people to touch their toes and stuff because I can't do it. And then you get these like 70-year-old ladies that can do it and you think, oh no, (laughs) this is bad.
0: Yeah, so I did feel old. I did have some reflection like... I feel really lucky to be healthy and, you know, that's not possible for everyone, even though I can't touch my toes and the surfing ruined me. And I've just kind of got even less interested in buying stuff and even more interested in work-life balance and doing things that make me happy, like making Medics Money podcast. So let's get into this because we're joking about this but some of this is pretty serious like you need to do this stuff as soon as possible whether you're under 40 over 40 or just on 40 and if you're 39 years old and your 40th birthday is tomorrow you're going to really want to listen to what ed's about to say
1: yeah absolutely so the first thing to think about doing before you turn 40 is to set up a lifetime isa also known as a lisa of all the topics that we're going to talk about today This is the only one that you have to do before you turn 40 if you want to take advantage of it. When your 40th birthday, the opportunity to set up a LISA will be gone forever. Okay, so if you're 39, you know, something to think about doing ASAP. Okay, and why would you want to? Well, LISAs, they're a special type of ISA, an individual savings account, which can be set up between the ages of 18 and 39 years of age. And they have a potentially very useful bonus. So each tax year you can invest up to £4,000 in a lifetime ISA, and the government will then top this up with a 25% bonus, up to a maximum of £1,000 per year. So if I put £4,000 into my LISA, then the government will put 25% of that amount in as well, and my total ISA for the year will be £5,000. So basically, they put in free money, essentially. And we can't give financial advice, uh, we're not allowed to, but we would suggest all doctors under the age of 40 who don't have Lysa, consider setting one up. To go from £4,000 to £5,000, you're never going to get a better rate of return, I don't think. Guaranteed rate of yeah, return. Yeah, that's a guaranteed rate of return. Of course, as I say, we're not giving you financial advice here. We're just saying you might want to consider setting one up if you haven't done so already. We should mention a few other things about Lysas though, especially how you get the money out of them, because there are restrictions on when you can withdraw the money. So firstly... If you're a first-time home buyer, you can withdraw the money to help you buy your first house, as long as the house is worth up to £450,000. So if you're actually going to end up buying a house for more than that, uh, you can get into a bit of trouble, so just bear that in mind. And otherwise, you can withdraw the money at any age if you become terminally ill, or after the age of 60. If you withdraw the money for any other reason, you will incur a penalty charge at 25% of the funds withdrawn. Okay, so just bear that in mind, those are the restrictions. But as I say, a very juicy bonus. You put in amount of money up to £4,000 a year, the government will then add in 25%
0: of that into the pot. And when that bonus arrives, you know, say you've put the full amount in and £1,000 just lands in your LISO account. Yeah. It feels pretty good. That's it, yeah.
1: yeah. It's very juicy. So again, just think about setting one up if you haven't done already, okay?
0: Yeah, uh, and just to reiterate, not financial advice, especially what I'm about to say, because I just say that... I would always maximize my NHS pension, okay, before and then would consider doing a lifetime ISA, maybe depending on your circumstances. So if you can do both, that's perfect. But the other thing is there's a cash lifetime ISA and a stocks and shares lifetime ISA. It's totally your choice which one you go for. And you may need to consider taking advice or you may need to listen to what I'm going to say in about two minutes time. But me and Ed have stocks and shares, lifetime ISA and not a cash. So that's what we chose. So, yeah, not advice, but have a think about it. It's nice.
1: Yeah. And actually another thing to say as well. So imagine you were 39 years and your birthday is in two days time. You can always just set up the license that you have one and then put money in later on so you don't have to put in loads of money into it straight away just as long as you set one up you've then got that lisa to be used up until the age of 50 and then you can take the money out at the age of 60 assuming you don't need it for other reasons such as becoming terminally ill or for a house
0: great point yeah i went on a stag do shortly after we did our first mention of a lifetime isa and we're all about the same age and there was quite a lot of panicked people <laughs> asking me for help to set up and that's exactly what i told them to do. Yeah. just get it set up that's it think about the rest later if you think that it's right for you no advice etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: Yeah, that's it. Okay, so that's first piece of advice, as I say. That's the only one that you have to think about doing before you turn 40. Everything else you can do, any age. But the next thing you might want to think about doing is writing a will, which is especially important if you have children or other family who depend on you financially, or if you want to leave something to people outside your immediate family or to a specific cause. Okay, When a person dies, their affairs have to be finalised and their property then passed on to others, either in accordance with the deceased's will or under the law relating to something called intestacy. So if you die without a will, then the special rules of intestacy apply and they set out how your assets are split out on death when there is no will. And these rules may, or may not, be the ones that you'd want to dictate what happens to your estate when you die. So we won't go into it in massive amounts of detail, but where a person dies interstate, their estate is distributed after payment of debts and taxes and so on, according to those set rules. Okay, so for deaths occurring on or after the 1st of October 2014, the rules applying to England and Wales provide that the estate is distributed in a set order. Okay, so first of all, it would go to your spouse or civil partner, if you have one, and don't have any children. And then if you do have children, then part goes to your spouse or civil partner, part goes to your children. And then after that, it goes down based on your surviving relatives, essentially. So for example, for myself, if I didn't have a will, I don't have any children, I'm not married, so all my money would go directly to my parents based on this list okay so just as a you know interesting point if a person dies with no will and they don't have any relatives at all then their money or their estate their property that will go to the crown and something i found out the other day that that actually also includes pets so if you've got no relatives at all and you've got no will and you have cats like i do then strictly speaking the queen will get your cats something that i'm sure she'll be very delighted with i'm sure
0: yeah with the corgis and the cats going on you think
1: I don't know I think uh, my cats would just basically sleep all the time yeah uh,
0: I think we said in the last time we talked about this that I would take your cats as long as there was no inheritance tax liability on them and you basically couldn't answer that question as far as I recall
1: well uh, the problem is that you know in my mind their value is basically priceless
0: yeah in my mind they're a liability that costs money and generates no income so that is the definition of a liability they're,
1: they're just awesome they're far too awesome so you can you can have them
0: I've just dribbled water all down myself, which is what happens when you get old, I guess, like (laughs) us. So I just want to say if you've listened to episode 88 with me and Joe, you'll know that despite having kids for ages, we only made a will last year. And that was because we thought it would be really difficult. We thought it would involve going to a stuffy solicitor's office for a face to face meeting. And we just thought it'd be more painful than it was. But if you want to make a will, we made our will with a company that were excellent and they were so good that we actually partnered with them and they will offer medics money podcast listeners a 150 pound discount when you make a will and a lasting power of attorney so if you've got kids as ed said it's really really important to make a will and the company that me and joe used were excellent and do you remember how we kind of met Tolbus, the the law firm that we use so lots of our colleagues have passed away in the pandemic and that gives all kinds of problems from you know doing all the paperwork you have to do when you pass away and there's also this really annoying pensions form that you have to do to claim death and service benefits so a lot of our advisors and in fact you have been helping the the families of healthcare professionals who have passed away in the pandemic and we needed a lawyer to do something and one of our advisors said oh I know this law firm and they did all the estate or whatever for one of our Brief colleagues, and they were so good then that I tested them out using my will, and then that's how it all started. So we met them in a really sort of sad way, but it's worked out well because hundreds of podcast listeners have taken up that offer. So, yeah. And I also, just want to say that if you know any healthcare workers who did pass away in the pandemic, we're working with the Healthcare Workers Foundation to help them, as I said, if they've got financial problems, if they've got this annoying pensions form to fill in. So, just if you know anyone that needs that help, email sammy at helpthemhelpus.co.uk and on that morbid note should we move on
1: yeah absolutely yeah tommy's made some really good points there and it is really important to to get a will sooner rather than later because you never know what's going to happen
0: wow we're in a bit of a downer kind of uh, mode here because i'm talking about insurance so if you get ill and can't work how would you pay your bills and unfortunately I don't need to tell doctors this, that in general, the older you get, the more likely you are to get ill. So if you get ill and you can't work, how would you pay your bills? It's also well worth familiarizing yourself with sick pay because some of you are thinking, oh, well, I'm going to use my sick pay. So sick pay in the NHS, first of all, you need to look at your contract. But in general, for the first five years as a doctor, the sick pay for doctors accrues. So in your first year as a doctor, you'd get typically one month full pay and two months half pay. After five years as a doctor, you'd get the maximum benefit that the nhs provides which is six months full pay and six months half pay but gps locum doctors locum gps your sickness benefits will vary and some of you may not get any sick pay at all so as i said just familiarize yourself with the terms of your contract this is small point but a friend of mine went to work in australia for a year and that was like out of nhs contract so when they come back they left having been a doctor for 10 years on full six months full pay six months half pay But when they came back, that was a break in service. So they're back to one month full pay and two months half pay. Ouch. Yeah. So just have a look at your terms and conditions. So sick pay, probably not going to cover it, but would help. So if you cannot afford your bills without your income, then you need to insure yourself against this risk. And I couldn't afford my bills without my income. Ed? No, definitely not. Especially not your coffee bill, mate. <laughs> copy bill and cat bill. Cat bill, copy bill. bill. Yeah. So we have insurance and I don't insure anything that I can afford to replace. Again, that's my personal preference. So I don't insure my phone. I don't insure my bike. I don't even insure my beloved surfboards, but I do insure mine and my family's future. And there's basically three major catastrophes that you can insure yourself and your family against. So the first one is the inability to work due to an accident or an illness. And this is usually covered by something called income protection insurance. The second thing that you can insure yourself against is diagnosis of a critical illness like cancer or stroke or heart attack. And this is usually covered by critical illness insurance. And the other thing is you can insure against is early death. And this would usually be covered by life insurance. So the combination of insurance that you need is going to depend on your own personal circumstances and your own personal preferences, which of course are all different. So for example, a junior doctor with no mortgage and no kids is likely to have a very different protection requirements to a 40 year old consultant with three kids and a large mortgage. Now I've talked about this in the past that I left getting income protection and etc far too late this was for three main reasons one past tense when I was young because we've already established that we're not young anymore when I was young I felt pretty invincible which seems ridiculous really because I like surfing kite surfing and mountain biking down mountains really fast probably not the safest collection of sports. But as soon as I had children, I took out the protection, but that might have been too late. I'm also really frugal. I had tons of medical debt and I was just hustling basically to repay that debt and start building my wealth. And by minimizing my expenses, I thought, I can skip the income protection. But that was a step too far. And I'm really glad that I finally listened to my medics money approved independent financial advisor and got protection. And the final reason and I think this might resonate with quite a few people listening is I just didn't know where to get the right cover for the right price. And I was suspicious of the salespeople who targeted my naivety at medical school with free lunchtime talks. And that final reason exactly why we set up Medic's Money. You need to understand that an independent financial advisor who specializes in doctors, like those on Medic's Money, can search the whole market and find the best policy for you. In contrast, restricted financial advisors, as the name suggests, search a restricted section of the market, and as a result, you may. May not get the best deal. So that is why on Medic's Money, we only work with independent financial advisors who specialize in doctors. Of course, if you need to find an advisor matched to your personal circumstances, You know where to go. We don't need to mention that. The other thing as well is have a listen to the Emergency Fund podcast, which Ed was so fascinated during that podcast that he was gazing at his cats. And I should have just fired you a complex tax question to keep you awake because it was basic. But if you do the basics well, you're going to be okay. So if you haven't got an emergency fund, have a listen to that podcast, just think about it because that is another way to protect your finances.
1: I mean, it's definitely a very useful podcast. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I just wanted to look at my cats because they were just lying around in the sun and I was really jealous of them.
0: It contain no complex tax calculations yeah, at all. And therefore, or national nice insurance. Or national nice insurance or tax trivia. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. I struggled to hold your attention. <laughs>
1: you can't compete with the cats, mate.
0: No, they are pretty cute. Uh, you were there, but just uh, more embodied <laughs> than anything else. Uh, but no, I mean, just do the basics well and you'll be all right. So Emergency Fund, like, it's basics. Just have a listen. Well, if you are 40 or retirement might seem like a long way off. And indeed, for those of us that are predominantly in the 2015 section of the NHS pension, indeed retirement is a long way off, longer way off than those of our colleagues who are in the 2008 scheme and the 1995 scheme, but we're not bitter at all. But I do wanna stress this point that this is a key thing for those of us who are mostly in the 2015 section of the NHS pension to realize. And that is that your normal retirement age in the 2015 scheme is linked to the state retirement age which for me is 68 years old. I mean, that means I have 28 more years left in the NHS.
1: I've got 26.
0: Oh, yeah, you pretty smug now about being old, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to 68, don't worry. I know you're not either. So I'm not gonna make predictions, but if the government raises state retirement age, my NHS pension age will increase. And as I alluded to, this is in direct contrast to the 1995 section of the pension scheme, where the retirement age is fixed, at 60 and I'm ignoring special class MHO status but for those pension geeks out there I'm just mentioning that and in the 2008 scheme the retirement age is fixed at 65. Now you can take your pension before your retirement age but it will incur what's called an actuarial reduction which is basically where if you take your pension early they are going to be paying it for longer so they make an actuarially calculated reduction which are roughly 4% per year that you take it early. So Before I say what I'm about to say, I want to make it really clear that in my opinion, and this is not advice, but the NHS pension is still a great deal for the vast majority of us. And as I said, before I top up my lifetime ISA or invest in the stock market via my stocks and shares ISA, I maximize my NHS pension contributions. And we do spend a lot of these podcasts talking about issues with the pension, and there are many. And we just come from a pensions talk from two absolute experts this morning on our GP course. And it's just mind-blowingly complicated, the pension. But despite this, it's still a great deal for the vast majority of us. But... If like me and like Ed, you don't want to work until an age decreed by the government, you're going to need a backup plan to fill in the gap between your desired retirement age and your actual retirement age. I've talked about my plan to achieve this before in episode 62, which is all about early retirement and sadly is one of the most popular podcasts of the year because people are just looking for the exit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I get that but I just think it's a bit sad that that's one of the most popular ones about how to retire early. But anyway, I talked about my plan in there and this is my plan. It might not be your plan. It might not work for everyone. So take advice. But as I said, I maximise my NHS pensions, but I also invest in a stocks and shares ISA and obviously a little bit in the lifetime ISA as well. And... If this is your plan, you need to be aware that investing takes time. You're not going to make a million dollars trading stocks by Friday. You're just not. So, you know, you need to have like a 10-year or more plan. So start early, okay? I've been investing for a number of years now, and I wish that I could have started earlier, but I had no money, tons of medical debt. Not going to go over that story again, but just start early. And after that episode, actually, 62, where we talked about early retirement, loads of people sent me some pretty good questions, which I haven't actually answered, but i might answer now actually because there's so many and we really appreciate getting all the questions but one of the questions was why not just leave the nhs pension and get a private pension so there's just no comparison really between private and an nhs pension the nhs pension gives you a guaranteed index linked income for life and you just cannot imagine how valuable that is okay so this is not financial advice but in my opinion It's very, very difficult to beat the NHS pension. And like I said, every time we do a podcast with the experts, I I ask the experts who are all experts but have a private pension if they would swap their private pension to the NHS and they would all swap to the NHS, okay? Uh, Another question I got was why not start a private pension as well as the NHS pension? Possibly a good idea. For me and my personal circumstances, tax would be the issue there. So we talk about the annual allowance. That is the £40,000 Pensions, annual allowance, annually. And if I started another pension alongside, I would have big problems there. So again, that's my personal situation. Might not be yours. And actually, in episode 80, where we just kind of went a bit wild on pensions questions, Nick Nesbitt from Mazars mentioned a scenario where actually, which I hadn't thought of, where opening a private pension alongside your NHS pension might make sense, might And that was somebody who was working less than full time. So they weren't really maxing out their annual allowance for the year because they were working less than full time. And so they were nowhere near annual allowance, nowhere near lifetime allowance. And so they could benefit from opening up a private pension there. So I hadn't really thought about that scenario. And to be honest, that is why those guys get the big bucks because they are experts in this. And then uh, another thing that people asked about my personal retirement plan is why not use a stocks and shares ISA only? now. There's many reasons here. I'm going to throw in the tax relief because you don't get tax relief. So an ISA, right, is tax-free on any growth within the ISA, but you don't get tax relief on the contributions to the ISA, unlike the pension. It'd be amazing if you did, eh?
1: yeah that'd be really good if only
0: (laughs) yeah so i mean there's so many reasons here loss of the other benefits that the nhs pension provides so we've already mentioned them in the context of our colleagues who sadly passed away like death in service dependence pensions etc etc that you get with the nhs pension it's it's a guaranteed index linked income for life your stocks and shares iso is subject to the whims of the stock market right now with everything that's going on stock market is going down that is normal that is natural do not panic these things happen but if you've got an nhs pension you're effectively completely protected from this volatility so i hope that covers some of those random questions right so back to my point you've got to think about your retirement plan okay so have a think about what you want when you want to retire and if it's early you've got to think about your early retirement strategy so have a listen to episode 62 where we went in deep on that and at a very minimum we say this all the time but it's important right now you should have your total reward statement okay for this year you've got to request that it's just online it's free you should also consider getting a membership statement request from nhs pensions and if you're a higher earner you should probably consider getting an annual allowance statement as well So have a listen to episode 62, have a think about that. And if you're approaching 40 or around 40, have a think about it. So, I mean, I guess this follows on quite nicely, really, because I've just said that I am investing, as is Ed. So why might doctors think about investing? After all, back in the day, you know, you could be in the 95 section and work as a doctor without even worrying about any kind of annual allowance or lifetime allowance before all that was introduced retire when you're 60 with a nice lump sum and a nice final salary pension, right? I'm sure it wasn't that rosy, but it seems rosy, but those days are unfortunately over. And so if you want to get a backup plan and if you think that backup plan is investing, then you should think about investing. And we already talk about this all the time, but at the moment, if you've got money sat in the bank, so when I was a kid, which was a long time ago, but two years shorter than when Ed was a kid, it's true. Sorry. Interest rates were reasonably high. Inflation was low and you could have your money in the bank and the interest rate would make you money. So I had like a building society book where you took it in and they sort of printed it in the book. Do you remember yeah. those? Yeah,
1: I remember them absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then if you lost the book, you were just, I think it was basically game over if you lost the yeah, book. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. There was no electronic <laughs> record. Okay. So back in the day, cash would be okay and not lose value. Then the financial crisis happened in 2008 and for many, many years, now interest rates have been low and inflation has been higher and especially high recently so cash that is sat in the bank is actually losing value at the moment and has been for some time which is absolutely crazy so if you think cash is a safe haven unfortunately it's not cash does not make you money at the moment and so investing could could for the right circumstances, help you beat inflation. Another reason doctors need to think about investing, in my opinion, is that we are exchanging our time for money. So as doctors, we are fortunate to be in reasonably well-paid jobs, but we are trading our time for money. So. To earn money, you have to go to work. And if you stop going to work, you will not be making any money. You are not making any money while you sleep as a doctor because, unless you're on call, but then you're not really sleeping, but you get the point. Whereas investing, you can be making money 24 hours a day, okay, while you sleep without expending too much time or effort. So we're very, very good as doctors at trading our time for money. Want more money? Work harder. Well, you could think about investing and then you could be making money literally while you sleep, not on call. I've already mentioned this, but you might want to consider investing to supplement your retirement. And the final one, which will get Ed back awake, is that investing can be tax, tax. I mentioned tax. He's okay. He's back. I'm back. Back of the room. Investing can be tax efficient. So we already talked about this, that working harder might bring in less money than you think. And that's thanks to the higher rates of tax that we pay and the tax trap between 100 and 125,000 pounds where you, know, you can effectively end up taking home just 38p in a pound, is that right? Yep. So it's 60% tax and... 2% national insurance, yeah, which of course is going to go up very soon. Cool, so it'd be even less. So every one pound you earn between 100 and 125, you take home 38p. That's assuming that you're not paying pension as well. Yep. Great. If you invest in a in an ISA, any gains that you make are free from tax. And then finally, with the investing, the reason why I'm mentioning it now is that you need to start early. Okay. So in the ebook, there is a graph, and I'm gonna attempt to read out that graph on the podcast format, which is probably not gonna go very well. But have a look in the ebook. You can download it at medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. We have four people that all invest two hundred pounds a month at an average rate of 5.75%, so quite conservative. So somebody starts at 25 until the age of 65, investing 200 pounds a month, and they end up with 368,900 pounds, okay? Somebody starts at 35, so 10 years later, invests the same amount until the age of 65, they end up with £192,000, so significantly less. And that is due, I don't even want to talk about the person who left all their money in cash, but yeah, they didn't do so well. But that reason that that difference is starting early makes the difference is because of compound interest. Einstein reportedly said it was the eighth fund of the world. I think he could be right, even if he didn't say it. So starting early with investing is the key. So just have a look at the ebook there. I've got so much more here, but I'm thinking we should leave it there, mate, and just do another one. I mean, I wanted to talk about by the age of 40, you should learn to negotiate your tax bill, but I think we should save that for another day.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think a lot of people who are listening will recognize a lot of things we were going to say. Basically, make sure you maximize all your tax deductible expenses, which is your Professional subscriptions, your cct fee from before. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to make sure that your tax bill is correct. You know, don't overpay your tax bill or your national insurance bill. But we've covered that quite a lot before, and we we'll do so again.
0: Yeah, I think we should do another episode on that. And because my bladder is 40 years old, full of coffee, and needs to empty itself. Thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, that's Sorry, great. Over sharing <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, okay, so I hope that you found that useful. Whether you are under 40, over 40, or bang on 40. If you are bang on 40, congratulations. Life begins at 40. But I think you really should have a serious think about the sort of things that we raised there, so that you can continue to have an amazing start to your life, because your life has just begun at forty. Absolutely. Anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. I think well, that's it for now as ever thank you so much for listening really appreciate the support really glad that you found it useful keep sending in your questions it really helps us to shape the content that we make and obviously we also cover your questions on the podcast and you just send a voice memo to team at medicsmoney.co.uk with your question don't forget to leave a rating and a review that helps other doctors and dentists and other healthcare professionals to find the podcast and we really look forward to catching up with you on the next episode yeah thanks guys